Hello, everyone, and welcome to Midnight Ghost Stories. I'm your host, Latasha Molidor, and I will be sharing with you my personal ghost stories and stories I've heard from my family members, friends, and other sources. I hope you enjoy. spooky season and Halloween is coming up, I wanted to do a crossover episode for Midnight Ghost Stories and In the Eyes of True Crime. Tonight on episode 26, I'll be telling you about Louise and Lloyd Dean Stone. Now this is a case about witchcraft, wicca, and murder on Halloween night back in 1977 in a town called Dimmit, Texas. I don't think I've ever heard of this town. Here's a little bit of history. Dimmit, Texas is in Castro County in the Texas Panhandle. It's also located on the Old Ozark Trail, which is a road system from St. Louis, Missouri to El Paso, Texas. In 1942, a meteorite was discovered and was named after the town of Dimmit. It happens to be one of 311 meteorites from Texas. In the 1970s, the population was a little over 4,300 and most of that population was of Hispanic and Latino race. Just recently on April 10th, 2023, there was an explosion and fire at South Fork Dairy near this town that killed over 18,000 dairy cattle. Before we get into the case, let's talk about how witchcraft became associated with Halloween. Many years ago, ancient Celts believed that Halloween, also called Samhain, was the night when spirits and the supernatural could cross over into the living realm. Samhain is a pagan religious holiday, also called the Witch's New Year, always on October 31st, a celebration to welcome the harvest when summer ends. People would light bonfires and the costumes were to ward off ghosts. To them, people who were punished or had been cursed by black magic would be transformed into black cats. Later, the Celts merged with Catholics and converted. At that time, witches were believed to be devil worshippers and could transform into black cats, spiders, and bats, which is part of how witches came to be associated with Halloween. In the 1400s in Europe, more than 100,000 people were accused of being witches, and about 50,000 were executed by hanging. Those killed during the Spanish Inquisition were buried at the stake. This ended with the Salem Witch Trials ending the witch hysteria. In the 19th century, when Irish immigrants came to America, Irish and English traditions became one, carving jack-o'-lanterns, wearing costumes, and going trick-or-treating. The trick term referred to mischief night or devil's night, playing fun pranks, and the treats was going door-to-door, only they asked for money, not candy at first. But also the kids were given fruit and nuts. Around the 1950s, companies started making Halloween packaged candy, and that's when Halloween candy came to be. Young women would look for fortune tellers during Halloween to find their future husbands, and this started the idea of witches being a symbol of Halloween celebrating the holiday. So, the traditions of Halloween have some interesting origins. In Ireland, they would carve scary faces and turnips, not pumpkins, to ward off evil because of a story of a man named Stingy Jack who would trap the devil and only let him go if he promised Jack wouldn't go to hell. Jack died and realized heaven didn't want his soul, so he had to wander the earth as a ghost. And the devil gave him a turnip with a face carved in it with a burning piece of coal for light, hence the name Jack-o'-lantern. The colors black and orange were part of the Celtics festivals. Black was for death and orange was for the autumn season. 
Let's get back to the case for this episode. Louise and Lloyd Dean Stone were farmers in this town years ago and lived there for 29 years. But then they started to practice witchcraft, astrology, and parapsychology. They became believers in the Church of Wicca. They actually leased out their 300 acres of cotton and wheat to practice this along with reincarnation. They were directors of the Church of Iranhu. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Wicca is a modern version of pre-Christian traditions, also a form of pagan religion. Many Wiccans believe in reincarnation. Rituals in Wicca include holidays that are centered around phases of the moon, solstice, and solar equinoxes, the earth, air, fire, water elements, and initiation ceremonies. Two weeks before Halloween, Loy and Louise appeared on local television announcing that they were witches and that they were going to be teaching a seminar on Wicca. To celebrate Halloween, they would invite about 50 people to their home that believed in Wicca and meditate and perform a special ceremony. Now, in my mind, this is not out of the ordinary, but of course, for me, studying witchcraft is mainly meditation and candle magic or herbs. Every practice is different, but I've never thought of it to be evil or bad. It can be if that is the intention. But there are many people out there who automatically think evil when someone mentions witchcraft or Wicca. I imagine back in the 70s, it was just as bad. So when teenagers saw this, they wanted to drive by what they were calling the spook house because they thought it was haunted on Halloween night to see if they could catch any creepy witchcraft and spells happening on the property. But what they didn't know was that Louise and Loy had decided to celebrate alone this year and not have a big group of Wiccans over to celebrate. The drive-bys actually started before Halloween night just because the teenagers found out about them being witches and they just thought it would be fun and spooky to drive by the witch house just for fun. Some of them were expecting to see some kind of devil or Satan worship, thinking that the letters on the door stood for something like that rather than maybe the S being for their last name. Not to mention, the Stones didn't worship Satan or the devil. They believed in God, not hell. They did not practice witchcraft like the Salem witches, which is what the teenagers thought. The sheriff had been called many times and had even arrested some of the kids for attempting to drive away from the police. They were jailed and fined $100 and given a lecture about coming to another county and harassing people, and then they were able to go home. October 31st, 1977, once again, truckloads and carloads of kids from different high schools from nearby cities and counties made their rounds, driving by the Stones' home honking, yelling, and screaming, and just basically causing a scene and tormenting the couple. They called the sheriff back, and he was able to make some groups of the kids go home, but as soon as he'd leave, another group of teens would show up. In this next truckload of teens was the driver, 18-year-old Arthur Herrera. He was riding with four others, 15-year-olds Adriana Rangel, Maria Trevino, and Roxanne Casas, along with 18-year-old Carlos Garza. They had driven up to Easter Road and were turning around after pulling into the driveway of the Stone's house. Two shotgun blasts entered the window, injuring Maria and Carlos, but unfortunately Roxanne was shot in the head and killed. Arthur took an hour to get to Plains Memorial Hospital, which was nine miles away, 
and the nurse called police chief Joe Ben Mitchell and told him that a truck arrived with a dead child. Sheriff Martin had already been patrolling the area and called for backup and arrived back at Louise and Loy's home. The only vehicle there was their own and they saw no evidence of foul play. What no one was able to understand was why it took an hour for Arthur to get to the hospital and if Sheriff Martin was in the area, how was it that he never met up with a pickup truck full of teens at all? Now at first, the Stones said they didn't hear any gunshots, but then evidence was found, a recently fired shotgun in their home, which Loy said he shot the gun in the air to scare the teens away, but he never aimed at anyone. The Hispanic and Latino community were enraged about the murder of 15-year-old Roxanne Casas, and they wanted justice, demanding Louise and Loy Dean Stone be arrested for her murder. They were arrested on November 7th, and Castro County Justice of the Peace Marshal Young set their bail at $50,000 each. A grand jury indicted them on one count of first-degree murder and two counts of aggravated assault, so they were to await trial on November 27, 1977. After the trial, Roxanne's parents filed a civil damage suit of $77,556. By February 1978, Loy was found innocent and motions were filed to drop all charges against Louise. This incident caused more conflict with Loy and Louise and the Wiccan and Pagan community. They didn't feel that they were worth the religion because of what happened, while others believed the murder was a result of their witchcraft. A witch's convention was to be held a couple of years after this incident in Amarillo, Texas. A pastor at a San Jacinto Baptist Church and minister of evangelism wanted to protest against this event along with fellow evangelists Jimmy and Judy Momo because they felt that, quote, they are known for their supernatural power and works of evil and this is wrong, end quote. They believe that an outbreak of demonic power in the city of Amarillo led to murder and child rape, and they did not want witches in their city. The venue had no intentions of canceling the convention, and Louise and Lloyd Dean Stone said that in their opinion, they thought that it was sad that someone of Christian faith would protest against another religious faith that they had no true knowledge of based off of what they assumed the religion was. Are you a fan of true crime? If so, come and join me as I discuss true crime cases involving murder and survivor stories. I'm Latasha, the host of In the Eyes of True Crime, and on this podcast, I want to share some of my favorite cases that I have found interesting over the years. If there are any cases you want to hear, just send them my way. Let's talk about it. Just for fun, I'm going to go ahead and insert a few clips from a couple of previous episodes that I think would be really spoopy to add to this Halloween episode for more creepy content. The Salem Witch Trials The Salem Witch Trials took place in Massachusetts between 1692 and 1693, where more than 200 men, women and children were accused of practicing witchcraft and 19 people were hanged. In January of 1962, three young girls were said to experience fits of screaming, throwing things, and contorted themselves into strange positions. The girls then accused three women of afflicting the supernatural occurrences on them. A witch hunt began 
and these women were interrogated. Two said they were innocent, and one confessed, saying the devil asked her to do it. They were all thrown in jail. After the trials and executions, in 1702, the trials were declared unlawful, and a bill was passed to restore the good names of the people accused, and compensation was given to their families. Here are some haunted locations to visit in Salem, Massachusetts. The Old Burying Point Cemetery, also known as Charter Street Cemetery, established in 1637. This cemetery is the final resting place for those who were involved with accusing and executing those said to be witches. There was also a memorial for the accused in this cemetery. Some things visitors experience at the cemetery are a heavy feeling of sadness, seeing orbs, shadows and apparitions, and capturing EVPs. Some people have even seen a ghost called the Ghostly Lady in White, a man wearing a suit and tie, and a woman and son in the back corner of the cemetery peeking out at visitors. Many people have caught apparitions and photos taken here. Proctor's Ledge, once called Hanging Hill, identified as the hanging site of the Salem Witch Trials in January 2016. Up until then, the hanging site was thought to be Gallows Hill. It took years of debate and investigating the true location of the executions. Part of the evidence was nearby neighbors of Proctor's Ledge stating that they had records of seeing the hangings take place at this particular location. The 19 falsely accused witches were hanged here at Proctor's Ledge and their bodies discarded nearby. It was said to be dangerous to touch the corpse of a dead witch or warlock, so the bodies were discarded and not given proper burials. Some family members of the accused would sneak around the area at night to find their relatives in order to properly bury them, but if caught, they would also be executed. People have caught sight of apparitions and heard disembodied voices at this location. There seems to be an overall sensation of a dark energy in this location. People have also experienced cold spots and seeing orbs and photos taken in the area. The Salem Witch House. Purchased in 1675 by Judge Jonathan Corwin, the judge who executed those accused of witchcraft. While no witches lived in the home, because this house bore witness to the Salem Witch Trials, it was then called the Witch House. There was also Corwin's Curse. Eight members of the Corwin family died premature deaths in this home. The location is part of a ghost hunt. When guests enter the home, they have been said to hear disembodied voices and feel very cold. A few items that can be found inside a wall in the home are witch bottles that contain urine, hair, pins and nails used to attract and capture witches, a black shoe to protect the house from evil, and a poppet, a doll used to cast spells. Sleepy Hollow. We've all heard the story of the legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving, published in 1819. The story of Ichabod Crane, who visits Terrytown, New York, an area in Sleepy Hollow, known for its spooky ghost stories and mysterious supernatural occurrences. While riding his horse through the forest, he then encounters the Headless Horseman, a ghost believed to be that of a soldier who was beheaded by a cannonball during battle, who uses a jack-o'-lantern as his head. While this story is not true, although based on some facts, Sleepy Hollow, New York is still known to be a very haunted ghost town. Here are some haunted places to visit in Sleepy Hollow, New York. Sparta Cemetery. This cemetery is outside of Sleepy Hollow in a town called Scarborough. People have seen unexplained mists, unusual lighting, and disembodied voices while visiting this location. Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. This is the burial site of Washington Irving and many other famous people. 
Visitors have seen apparitions and can hear silent whispering within the cemetery. Patriots Park. This park is located between Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown. A soldier was captured by Americans during the Revolutionary War and was beheaded. People began to see a headless apparition throughout the park, which is what Washington Irving created his tale from, which would become the Headless Horseman in the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Old Dutch Church and Burial Ground. This is said to be one of the oldest burial grounds in the United States. Some say they have seen the Headless Horseman here as well traveling through the area. A few people that Washington Irving's characters were based off of can be found buried here. I have heard stories of people seeing things or hearing things while they are volunteering at the Pioneer Farms or even guests who come for the tours or for the museum. Volunteers who would be in areas alone they can hear footsteps, furniture moving around, they see apparitions. One common one is like a really tall person that's dressed in black that everybody seems to see. One story I remember is from the Haunted Trails at Halloween and this is set up in three stages. There's green lights for family friendly, yellow lights for moderate, red lights for scary. And guests were trying to go into the red trail but they kept getting turned away and I think it was younger kids because they try to say if you're under 13 they don't want them to go to it because it might be too scary um, so they were getting turned away so they went to find another volunteer and they told them what was happening so they described the person as a tall person wearing all black and they're like we don't have any volunteers that that look like that so the, uh, the volunteer that they went to make the complaint to, she went over to that trail to see what was going on. And there were volunteers on either side of the trail, but it's not like somebody is letting people in and out. You just kind of go in at your free will. And she asked them why they were turning away guests. And they said, we're not turning anybody away. They're just walking up here and then they're turning away and walking off and we don't know why. So it turns out the person that they said was turning them away was very similar to that apparition that a lot of the volunteers had been seeing. this was a fun spooky episode to be honest I had a hard time trying to find a story that tied into the Halloween theme of being spooky and true crime and when I came across this it was something I've never heard of so I figured it would be a good one to tell for this crossover episode thank you everyone for listening happy Halloween it for this episode of Midnight Ghost Stories. If you have a story to share, please send an email to midnightghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. It will be read on the show or send in a voice recording to be played on an episode. Also be sure to follow the podcast on Facebook at Midnight Ghost Stories and Instagram at Midnight Ghost Stories Podcast. Subscribe and download to keep up with each new episode and don't forget to rate and review the show. 
Tune in next time for another episode of True Creepy Ghost Stories.